0: Good morning and a very warm welcome here to Heartlands and Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. And folks, we are now at the beginning of Advent. Advent is taken from a Latin word, Adventus, as you all probably know, which means simply the coming. And so as we start yet a new year, the liturgical year on the Christian calendar, we begin again, to focus on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, this has two meanings in the context, first and foremost, in that, in that historical setting, that Christ was the coming Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah that Scripture foretold, as we read in the Old Testament. And so that is why, over the next number of weeks, We end up reading portions of scripture, familiar portions of scripture at this point, speaking of that coming of Christ. Those prophecies speaking of the Messiah to come. But then there is a second meaning. And the second meaning is that Christ is going to come again. The second coming of Christ. And that is something that, well, it creates a lot of debate amongst people. What does that look like? How is it going to happen? Where is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? What are the implications that are for you and for me in the coming of Christ? Is Christ coming at all? Is a question that may be asked. And in fact, I was reading the one scholar who went there and said, well, just as the Jews have been waiting for their Messiah now for 5,000 years." Christians are awaiting the coming of their Messiah in the last 2000 years as if it's some sort of a future occasion that is not going to take place but that's not what Jesus goes and says in the most simplistic of places that being the communion service because what does he go and say that we should go and participate in this until he should come again and so we know As we go and take the bread and as we take the wine. As we remember that we are the body of Christ. As we remember the blood of Christ shed for us. That this is a declaration of what Christ has done for us. And we are to continue on this practice until he should come again. So just because it's 2,000 years later does not mean that Christ is slow in coming. As Peter went and said. So. Now, let us begin our time today by having our first Advent hymn. When it comes to Advent, that hymn by Charles Wesley, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, is possibly the most well-known Advent hymn there is. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set Thy people free, From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in Thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. And here we have a hymn that is helping us to fix our minds on Christ. And yet, there is that prayer written, obviously, by Charles Wesley many years later. So it's obviously in a context that even though we're celebrating Advent, as I've said, that he is considering also. That second coming of Christ, that second advent. Are you someone who is expecting the Lord Jesus Christ to return? Do you actually consider that at all? Does it impact your thinking? Do you even consider that maybe, maybe Christ could return? Myself and Pastor Gavin of Cornerstone had been out for a walk some time back. And we were chatting on this very topic and i love the way that pastor gavin put it he went and said we may not live to see the return of christ in all his glory as he comes on the clouds but the reality is that christ will return for us within less than 50 years in that i think he's being gracious and we will be doing well to live 50 years and maybe a little bit more if we are blessed but we will be a ripe old age at that stage Yet, one of the topics that has really been consuming Christian thought at this present moment is the second coming of Christ, especially with COVID and the restrictions and all the implications that that has brought, and how we can see one world systems coming into play, how we can see that money has become digitalized, computerized, no longer do we need to have cash in our pockets, all these various things. And so, it is a hot topic the return of Christ. Is it something you give consideration to? Does these things that are happening in our society go and cause you to think about the second coming of Christ? I remember growing up that one of the interesting things that was always said was, how could it be that Jesus Christ could return and every eye will see him, no matter where we are on the globe? And yet, With the advent, to use that phrase, and the invent of various sorts of things, such as satellites and computers and rolling TV news networks, would it be impossible not to see Jesus all at the same time? I think we live in a day and age when, with the technology that we have, if Christ were to return on the clouds over Jerusalem, Every eye would see him. Think about it. Then here's the question we need to ask ourselves as we listen to our next hymn. Would your response be, hark the glad sound, the Saviour comes, the Saviour promised long. Let every heart prepare a throne and every voice a song. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame, but they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, For they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep his demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then is the man that fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. He will spend his days in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet. From the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have multiplied. Free me from my anguish. Look upon my affliction and my distress, and take away all my sins. See how my enemies have increased, and how fiercely they have hated me. Guard my life and rescue me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope is in you. Redeem Israel, O God, from all their troubles. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103, where we are focused on Advent. As we begin Advent, this Sunday, and consider the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at this psalm, and in the reading of this psalm, we have the psalmist, and he is crying out to God, crying that God will come to him, that God will rescue him, that his hope is in God. And then he finishes with that saying that God is the hope of Israel. Is God your hope? Is God my hope? Or, because we live in a nice Western affluent society, even with all the shake-ups that have taken place. Well, God is just a spiritual thing. Something that makes us feel good. A daisy whom we pray to when troubles come our way. A fire extinguisher of sorts. Is that not also the way that the psalmist is writing? Looking for God's intervention when things are not running the way that they want. And yes, was it not when we look at scripture over and over again, that we can see that the people cried out to God. And in crying out to God, God answers. We need look no further than the crossing of the Red Sea. Prior to that, the Israelites were there crying out to God. And when God called Moses to go back to set the people free, God told Moses, That he had heard his people's cry. Maybe you're someone and you have raised the cry of your heart. You have been calling out to the Lord. Crying out that the Lord will come to your rescue. Well let me tell you today that your prayer is not in vain. The scripture goes and says that if we call on the Lord. He will hear us and he will rescue us. And bring us to a safe place where we can settle. You can read that in Psalm 107. So how are we fixed today as we consider Advent? Is it that the Advent journey for you is that over the next four weeks we come to a point where we remember the birth of the baby Jesus? Or is it that as we travel over the next four weeks we're not only looking at the birth of the King of Kings, but we're considering the return of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Oh, this is an exciting time to be a Christian. Here we are 2,000 years on, 2,000 years closer to the return of Christ. 2,000 years further away from that first birth of Christ, that first advent. Will the return of Christ be as remarkable as the coming of Christ in that first instance? Absolutely. The question we all need to ask ourselves is, are we ready? Are we seeking it? Is it the longing of our heart that Christ should return? Well, to be honest with you, I am not one who is all that excited about the return of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that we should pray that it should come and come speedily. But in its coming, the day of grace ends, and all that awaits is judgment. And that doesn't sit comfortably with me. My longing is that you and I, our neighbours, friends, everyone around about us, will be expecting the coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, not in fear of judgment but with excitement and enthusiasm, that our Saviour has come again. Oh, so what is your Advent journey? Tell me this. Are you the psalmist crying out as we have just read? Or are you someone who is oblivious to what it is that God is going to do? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Now is this your prayer? Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, and here's why. For you are God my Saviour. And my hope is in you all day long. Is that what you can say today? I'm not trying to push this on you. I'm not trying to make it that it is what you can say. I'm asking is I'm asking the question, is that what you can say? Welcome back to Heartlands here on Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gale. And as I've been discussing the topic of Advent both in its past context and in its future context. For us, as we approach Christmas, we think of the Advent story. We think of the prophecies that came through the prophets. We think of the angel coming to Mary. We think of the shepherds. We think of all the different scenery that takes place. And we think of the very familiar story that we all have come to enjoy and love. But there is a second story, a second narrative that is being played out in our day and generation. And that is the second coming of Christ. Something that we don't discuss very much. Something that isn't being said very much. Something in fact that we almost consider a joke. We think of it as being someone who is... A prophet with a sandwich board on it going, The end is nigh. And yet that is true. We are now closer today than we were 2,000 years ago to the return of Christ. Now, if you were to meet John Chinnery, local diocesan reader, and were to speak with him about the end times, as we call it, he would go and tell you that he believes that every biblical prophecy is fulfilled. And that we are just awaiting the Lord's return. In fact, one biblical prophecy that highlights that idea is this. The Old Testament prophesies that there would be life, marine life, again in the Dead Sea. As you all know, the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because of its salt content and that no living creature can actually live in it. And yet the story is told of two Christian gentlemen who decided to go to Israel to buy a fishing license to go and be able to fish the Dead Sea. Well, of course, this was met with hilarity and the Israeli people were going and thought that these two people were crazy. And yet these guys turned around and said, really, haven't you read your Old Testament Hebrew scriptures? that life is going to be yet again be bred back into the dead sea, that there will be fish, etc. in it. Now you may ask yourself the question, what's that got to do with the second coming of Christ? Well, it's one of those prophecies. Now if you look at the Jewish journal, printed on April 24th, 2020, just last year, it says, photojournalist captures incredible moving salt formations in the Dead Sea. In 2016, photojournalist Noam Bedim pushed off the crystallized shores of the Dead Sea in a kayak, hoping to document some of the dramatic scenery. Bedim's camera captured small fish in sinkholes deep in the northern part of the sea. I didn't realize at the time the significance of this, Badim said. Everyone went wild. The secular, scientific world was fascinated by this phenomenon and the religious world was also very excited. For the religious community, fish in the Dead Sea was a sign of the end times, a fulfillment of a biblical prophecy In which the salty waters will become fresh. Bedin. Explained that indeed fresh water from Jerusalem. Filled the sinkholes with microorganisms. Just one of the reasons the Dead Sea is, is a misnomer. Folks it has been documented. That there is fish back in the Dead Sea. The guys going looking for a fishing licence were not so much idiots as everyone made them out to be. Biblical prophecy come true. That is in their journal. Now why would a Jewish journal go and say that Christians are the ones who see this as being, the religious world seeing this as being a sign of the end times? Because the reality is that it is just that. When Jesus Christ was born, it was the end of the old era. It was the drawing to a close of the old covenant. It was Moses' law. This goes and says in John 1 that Moses was the one who brought the law. Christ came with grace and truth. And so ended the times of that law and we moved into days of grace. With the second coming of Christ, as I've said, those days of grace will end. What does the days of grace mean? It means simply this, that God is giving you opportunity to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he sent his son into the world. So that you may believe in him. Ah come on I hear you say. That's all old wives tales. That's nothing got to do with us at all. We all know that that's just stories. That are for those who are superstitious. Those who believed in goblins and ghouls and fairy tales. That's not for us today. Really? Really? Can you dismiss the idea of God that easily? One of the evidences to me, and I say evidences, not proof, evidences to me that God exists. Not that existence is the right word. But anyway, that God exists is when you look the whole world over. Human beings are spiritual beings and need something to worship. I don't believe that that's blindness. I don't believe that that is due to a condition that we have. I believe it is because as human beings, we are seeking to have a relationship with God, our God and Father. The one that is displayed and spoken of and foretold in Christ. Just a thought that I leave with you. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me the Reverend Nigel Gill. As we consider Advent, Adventus, the coming. In this case, the coming of Christ. In our case, the second coming. And so the lectionary scriptures that we have actually focuses in on that second coming not so much on the birth of that little baby boy that we love and take so much for granted every year as we celebrate advent running up to the christmas period not so much the looking back in hindsight with 2020 vision to the stable but rather looking forward to the second coming of christ something that carries with it a great sense of the unknown, danger, possibly even fear of what the future may hold. The lectionary scripture, at least in the Methodist worship book, has assigned for this Sunday the gospel reading from Luke. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come. When not one stone will be left on another, every one of them will be torn down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are to take place? And he replied, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming I am he and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and revolutions, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events, and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay hold of you, and persecute you, They will deliver you to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. This will result in you being witnesses to them. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. All men will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. But standing firm, you will gain life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city, for this is the time of punishment in fulfilment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. They will be in great distress in the land, and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword, and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled there will be signs in the sun moon and stars on the earth nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea men will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. He told them this parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is near. Even so... When you see these things happen, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Be careful or your heart will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap for it will come upon all those who live on the face of the whole earth be always on watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount of Olives and all the people came early in the morning to hear him At the temple. So folks. As we bring our. Beginning of Advent to a close. And we. Ponder on the second coming of Christ. Is this something that you just wish to dismiss. A story. That is beyond belief. Or is it a story. That somehow resonates with your spirit. Resonates with your soul. And as you look. At the signs and wonders that are taking place around about us throughout the world. You ask yourself the question. Is the second advent about to take place soon? As I said. The second coming of Christ does not fill me with joy or excitement. Even though scripture says that we should pray that it should come quickly. Because I fear it will be a tragic day. For many people. Just as. We read of Noah and the ark and the flood. Many people died. Many people perished. Oh Nigel this is such doom and gloom. We're coming up to the birth of Christ. Yes we are. Yes we can celebrate the coming of our Saviour into this world. Yes we have reason to have joy in our souls. As we consider what Jesus Christ has done for us. So if you are someone and... You are in that joyous position that you know Christ as your Lord and Saviour. And you are excited by the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And that he has transformed your life. And that he has given you a reason to live. And that he has filled you with hope. As you look into this future that I've just read from Luke's Gospel, it doesn't carry any dread or fear. But what of the ones who don't have that joy? What are the ones who don't have that peace that you have? What of the ones who struggle to put together this biblical narrative? Or fail to believe that God is who God claims to be? What of them? Well then, this tale, this second advent that we read about, that we are speaking of, surely is a source of great concern. So are you concerned? about the welfare of your fellow human beings as we begin this Advent journey together. Much room for thought. Very sobering and serious, maybe. But let us remember this. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you, and give you peace. Amen.